guys hi <laughs> hello we don't even know how to start an we, episode because it's been a minute. We don't. And I know it doesn't seem like it's been a minute because this episode is, we're releasing it right after our last oh, one. True. But this is episode four. We recorded episode three in January. January? Wow, we can't even remember. It's been that long. It's July. We have just had a lot going on in our personal lives. Yeah. A lo- it's been busy. Yeah. I, I started a new job full time. I now work for corporate America. She's a big deal. Crumble. On salary. Yeah. I do the She public. carries them on her back. Mm. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just get other people to she talk about them. Uh, I do the public relations work for Crumble. Mm-hmm. Alicia got a new job. I know. I work for the Utah Jazz, you guys. The Utah freaking jazz, I everyone. Know. I am so excited. Ever since I was really little, my dad and I would go to at least one jazz game a season together. And so now that I work for them, it's just like, I don't know. It's just really cool. And anytime I see someone wearing like a jazz shirt or shorts or hat or something, I'm like, I work for the jazz. They don't even know. That is very work. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> so anyway, super cool. I also graduated, Woo-hoo! which is exciting. I know. I know. Moving up, Alicia. We're just moving on Guys, in life. six months later, and look at her go. Here we Not are. Not that she wasn't going before she well, was. kind of. But now, graduated <laughs> Utah Jazz. Yeah. Wow. I also, for anyone that cares, just spent the last like two months of my life in Hawaii. Yeah, it was horrible for me because <laughs> she was gone. I just very spontaneously went there for that long. Again, it was just crazy. Also, just know. very cool move on Alicia's part. She yeah. just popped over to Hawaii for Checked kicks. Checked off some bucket list items, went skydiving, Heck yeah. went spear fishing, oh, and I you. like am an avid Survivor fan. True. And that's one thing they do to provide like food and survive is go spear fishing. So now you can I've just always wanted to go. Yeah. And, and on the show, only it. guys catch the fish. Only guys go spear fishing. So Move over, men. Yeah, I was like Alicia's uh, coming with spear in hand. Exactly. Yes. I'm gonna provide for everyone. I just really wanted to see if I could do it. I caught a baby fish, but still counts. Listen, that's more than most people on the planet can I know. say. I know. Have so I ever caught anything? Have you? Ever. No? no, you've never been fishing. N- no, I've <laughs> I've picked a fish out of the aquariums at Walmart. Oh, cute! And they got it for me with a net. <laughs> that's, that's the closest. That's <laughs> the closest I've been. Anyway. So you're very cool. Needless to say, we've been busy just having a hot girl summer. Hot girl summer is well and underway. And we hope all of you have had a hot girl Guys, summer. Hot girl and summer we're only halfway done. Is a mentality. It is a mentality. It it's doesn't a matter mindset. what life situation you're in. No, you could be. In Alaska, yeah. Actually, it's, I've heard it's nice there. Yeah, I've heard it's really pretty. You, can, you could be somewhere horrible where it's cold and still have hot girl summer. Also, hot girl summer is not an image. This is we. This is not a body image podcast, but no. I just need to throw that out there. Yes, throw it. <laughs> okay, but we've got some good stuff to get to today. Yeah, so we're gonna Anna, introduce us. We're gonna get ya? into it. Okay, guys, this episode is one. I mean, I we're passionate about every single episode, obviously. But this one, man, might be my favorite of all time. It's different. I don't know. I could be. Could do, be. Do we say that every time? Maybe. Yeah. Do we mean it though every time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this one is about God's character not being perfectionist. And when we say God, we mean like the God head. Um, so for those unfamiliar with LDS culture, that is Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost or the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so and this it's referring is, to all of them. Yeah. And this is also separate from like LDS culture too. This is like doctrine, right? That yeah. like we believe in God, the eternal father, a heavenly father, Jesus Christ as our savior and 
you know, our brother and God's son Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. as, you know, a a guide, as someone who testifies of Christ to us and, you know, to all of his children, who is a comforter, all of these things. So three separate, distinct, very important people. But when we say God, we're referring to all of them in this podcast, right? Yeah. And the reason we're giving like a whole episode to this is because once we've figured out what God's character is, it kind of unravels all the other parts of perfectionism because the whole gospel is based on God, obviously, because Mm -hmm. it's his gospel, it's his church. And so if we can identify and kind of tease out the real character of God, it kind of makes all the perfectionist elements of the church seem kind of stupid in a good way. Yeah. And I think it just brings a lot of hope. I think the message of the gospel is just good news and hope and happiness and love. So it's just the more we understand God and the more we understand like their purpose for us, then I feel like the less, the more we can pop perfectionism. Wow. Sorry. <gasps> I hate myself. <laughs> I love you. Are you Thank kidding you. me? <laughs> Thank you. That's right. We are here to pop perfectionism. And yeah, we are. So we really one are. way we're going to do that is talking about how perfectionism has created this god or this character of god this perfectionist god that is not real yes it's not real but i think we've all created him to be real and true in our lives and i think it's something that it's this dangerous way of thought that turns a lot of people away from him which is satan's goal we're going to talk about that later but because worshiping a perfectionist god creates a perfectionist people yeah no bueno no bueno yeah it's really hard Mm -hmm. so first we want to tease out like so when we say perfectionist god what does this look like so if you remember all the way back to the first um series about you know just the basis basics of perfectionism we talked about the two dimensions of perfectionism Mm -hmm. the first being unrealistic expectations and the second being Mm self-criticism So we talked about this cycle, setting really high expectations and then getting really down on yourself and then just repeating this cycle. Right. So when we live within that circle Mm -hmm. of bad, I don't even know. I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) That vicious cycle. That vicious cycle. Thank you. Which circle of bad is basically a synonym (laughs) That just made me think of the office when it's like, talk to me like I'm five. (laughs) Circle of bad. Circle of bad. <laughs> okay. When we live it. in that vicious cycle, <laughs> we kind of project the two dimensions of perfectionism onto God and we think that he looks at us that way. We think that he mm-hmm. has set this unrealistic expectation where you never mess up, you never make mistakes, and then when you do, because we all do, God is disappointed in you. And yeah. he like he expected you to be perfect. What are you doing? And he's criticizing and you. And he's criticizing you. Self-criticism is God criticism. Yeah. And then it's like, do better. Like, I'm so, how could you, you know? Yeah. So then I think we confuse our putting ourselves into that cycle mm-hmm. and maybe putting each other into that cycle too as a culture, which we've talked about. We confuse that for God putting us in that cycle. And he's the one trying to save you from it and trying to pull you out of it. Yes. And another part of that, the unrealistic, uh, unrealistic expectations, um, we, we touched on this in the first series where when you fall into self-criticism, you think, all right, I'm going to put my expectations even higher now yeah. to make myself achieve that, which obviously doesn't work. And we also think that God does that where God is kind of this punitive God where he's like, all right, you messed up. Now you need to do even more work to get back to where I need you to be. Right. Or like 
you know, I think too, if your goal is to, I don't know, like study your scriptures every single day, which is awesome. Or pray two times a day or be perfect. Okay. (laughs) That's one that's been placed on us. Like be perfect. So when you don't meet that, it's like that, that goal can't get any harder. Be perfect. Okay. That Mm -hmm. isn't going to increase. That's not going to get harder. But I think in evaluating goals, when you don't reach something, you need to realize that it's not working. Maybe you need to figure out a different route to get there. Maybe you need to adjust your goal. But instead, when you don't meet that benchmark of perfection, you're the problem, not the goal. You're yeah. the one that's like, ah, you, maybe you just didn't try hard, like try hard enough. Maybe, maybe you're just you not good just, enough. Yeah, maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you're whatever. Why why couldn't you meet that? You know? Yeah. So I think we yeah. fail to adjust our expectation. And then we think that God is seeing us that same way. Yeah. And he's not. He's no, really he's not. he's not. So, yeah. Right now when we're talking about the perfectionist God, we're saying things that he's not. Yeah. That we've kind of painted him to be in a way. Yes. And we, I mean, we've really come to paint God as this black and white, all or nothing God, mm-hmm. where if we don't do everything perfectly, we are no longer good in his eyes until we quote unquote make up for it. Or, and, and of course, you know, repentance is a thing and that's like a big part of it. But, yeah. but like, we think that it's on us to get ourselves back to where we need to be. And that if we can't do that, which we genuinely, like, we can't do that on our own. We can't make up for sin on our own. Um, that we, we, we believe that we're not good in God's eyes. We, we start to believe that we can't be loved and flawed at the same time. Yeah. And so when perfectionism paints an all or nothing God, since we can't be all cause we're mortal, we are then nothing. And yeah. an all or nothing God can't love nothing children. Yeah. And an all or nothing God wouldn't be merciful. Wouldn't send his son for us. Or all of the other Create things that he does plan. for us. Wouldn't forgive you all the time. Wouldn't yeah, love you. The yeah. plan of salvation cannot function with an all or nothing God. Mm-mm. Like it just couldn't. But that's what we choose to worship most of the time. And that's what we choose to follow. And he's not set us up to fail. But perfectionism has convinced us that we are set up to fail. Yep. And and we're setting up. I, I kind of. This might be a little. I don't know. Dramatic is the right word. Go for it. But you know the scriptures where it says like you're worshiping false idols. Mm-hmm. I think one of the false idols we worship is perfection. Oh, probably. <laughs> like straight up. Like we put yeah. so much time and effort into reaching that or perfectionism that I think that sometimes it takes precedence over God and who He really is and how He really sees us. You know. Yeah, because we aren't. We are not going to reach perfection y- while we're here on earth. Yeah. Like. You can try. I mean, we're all trying. That's the point. Yeah. It's that we're trying, but I think we need to understand that we're not going to reach that. So are we worshiping, are you worshiping the idea of perfection or are you worshiping a perfect God who understands that you're not going to be perfect, but he's just trying to help you be Um, there. Okay, Alicia, go off. Oh, stop. That was amazing. (laughs) Someone quote her on Twitter. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I loved that. That was amazing. And and I did want to just cycle back really quick too about... Um, I've just been thinking because I mentioned the goal of reading your scriptures every day, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking about that. That's one of my goals. That's something I'm trying to do is read the scriptures every day. Mm-hmm. That's not unrealistic. So maybe the goal might be to study your scriptures for an hour every day. You know, maybe that's the unrealistic goal I was thinking of. I just okay, wanted to yeah. clarify that. But if you're like trying to read your scriptures every day, join the club. Like that's awesome. Yeah. And I think, and that's very attainable. But maybe it's what does that look like every day? Maybe yeah. giving yourself more forgiveness for like it's maybe five minutes this day maybe it is 30 minutes that day maybe it's just like in the car because you ran out of time so you're just going to listen to like 
a scripture or a podcast about come follow me or like a song that makes you think about Christ, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Like giving circumstances the appropriate amount of weight because circumstance happens Mm -hmm. and days happen where things don't line up and not tying that failure to your worth. All or nothing. Yes. Going full circle back to all or nothing. Maybe it's, I shoot, like I didn't read my scriptures today. So I didn't reach that goal. So I'm, I failed. I'm nothing, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not totally Mm -hmm. one thing or the other, or I didn't read them for an hour today, but I read them for five, you know? So I think giving yourself more forgiveness is that line in between the all or nothing because it's not all or nothing. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. (laughs) The bottom line of perfectionism is that if someone or something is not perfect, then it's not good. Yeah. Right. We've That's talked the about whole that. premise. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not perfect, it's not good enough. It's not whatever. It's bad. Anyway, with perfectionism, there there is no good. Okay. There can't be good. There yeah. can't be good. So it's either perfect or bad. That's know? it. Just reiterating this all or nothing. It's yeah. either perfect or bad. And that's not that's not how God thinks. And we think that God sees us that way, too. You're either perfect, like my only begotten son, or you're nothing to me. <laughs> yes. You we know? really do think that. I know. Like we really do. And it might sound dramatic as we're saying it, but I think I think it's real. Like I've I, seen I it really enough. Yeah, and I've I've mm-hmm. felt it, so mm-hmm. I think other people probably have too. And mm-hmm. and if you don't relate to this, just know that there are people out there that do. A and we're counting deal. on people in Zion to to dispel that and to help people feel love and understand that it's not all or nothing. Yeah. And we get paralyzed when we're imperfect because we believe it will have this giant crazy impact on us forever and that we're subject to God's all or nothing laws. So at this point, you know, we're past salvation. We're unsalvageable and he can't love us, you know? Yeah. We think that God is so subject to his own laws that there's no room for him to also be merciful. Mm -hmm. That it like hinders his ability to be merciful and to love us. Yeah. And I think his justice sometimes takes precedence over his mercy. Yes. In our minds. Especially in the church. In church culture. And that's not true. No, it's not. Yeah. We're going to talk about this a little bit um, later in this episode too. But justice has its demands, but they will also answer to a God who is perfectly full of love, charity, compassion, grace, and mercy. Yes. Yes. You know, all of those things first. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how many words we have in the church for, in the gospel for God's character, like loving, um, you know, compassionate, forgiving, whatever, all of these things. And then yeah. just is like the one that involves judgment. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But sometimes when we think of God, it's just our judge, which isn't true. Yeah. It's your father first. There's so much more to him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And our culture right projects all of these things like we said onto god's character or what we believe god is or how he sees us and we think that god cares just as much about the checklists and the check boxes as we do and he doesn't something that i've come to learn in these last six months is that god i personally believe that god values our mortal experience over us having a perfect mortal experience 
Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, he knew we wouldn't, right? I- exactly. Like, yeah. And and so like when we get on these, you know, on these paths that are like wrong and, and we get, we go astray and we make these decisions that are good, or even if we're trying to be on a good path and we still mess up, like I genuinely think that God values the experience we get from those decisions way, way more than he cares about whether or not we're making the right decision. Genuinely. Right. Yeah, because this is a gospel of change and of progress. It's a process. Yes. It's not just a grocery checklist, you know, and I I think of, I mean, I like sports analogies and I played soccer, you know, all growing up and I just imagine my parents paying for my soccer, right, and paying to play club and whatever and imagining them sitting at my first game mm-hmm. and I get on the field and I mess up and I make mistakes and you know, maybe I like pass the ball to the wrong person or stumble over the ball or miss a shot or whatever. They aren't like, that's our money wasted. Like this is the experience I gave you and this is how you're acting. (laughs) You know, Alicia, yes. They're sitting on the sidelines saying, you got this. Like, keep trying. Don't give up. Nice shot. You know, like keep going, jump up. Like with my scratched little knees and grass stains and my mom washes the grass stains out later and wipes your tears and buys you ice cream. Yes. Like, God is sitting on the sidelines cheering us on every single step of the way. It's not like I sent you to earth to be perfect. Dang it. And this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to act. Yeah. Yeah. I, wow. That was an amazing analogy. I loved that. I loved that. Thank you. That'd be really cool if I were perfect though. It'd be pretty sick. No, as a little kid, that's probably how like Ronaldo was on, you know, in terms of soccer. That's what I was thinking. That'd be pretty dope. Like Ronaldo or Messi. They were probably perfect little soccer babies anyway probably never messed up that derailed (laughs) (laughs) so we want to talk more about you know heavenly father our real the real god who he actually is yeah and we're not making this up anything we're about to say it's in scripture it's all rooted in scripture been spoken by prophets but more importantly it's been our lived experience too yeah and I've experienced a lot of the, you know, perfectionist God things mindset, I should say, because it's not him. I've created that, but Mm -hmm. I've also experienced the real, the real connection with Heavenly Father, the real love and and all of that. So we often talk about his love and laws and his justice and mercy and grace and whatever. And they're like opposing somehow, you know? Yeah. And in... You know, God does have his laws. We have commandments. We have these things. And and I think we often do feel guilt or we feel bad when we do when we mess up because that's natural, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something we're going to talk about a little bit later. But I just want to talk about his love and mercy and grace. And yes, God does have his laws. But my favorite law above all of them is that no matter what you do, you can receive forgiveness. That's yeah. one of his laws. Yeah. If you have faith in Christ, your sins will be forgiven. What a merciful law. That's a law. Did you all know that? That's a law. It's like, a, yeah. That's probably number one. Honestly. That's a law of heaven. Yeah. Like, if you love him and try your best, he's got your back and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we forget that law a lot. And I think instead it's like, oh, did you... Um, I mean, I don't know. Did you like drink alcohol? Did you do this and this with your boyfriend or did you do whatever, like breaking those little laws or commandments? But the biggest law of all is that there's nothing you cannot do that can't be 
undone or mm-hmm. can't be fixed mm-hmm. or can't be turned into a beautiful connection experience with God. Yeah. Which to, to be fair, you don't have to have those experiences to connect with God, mm-hmm. right? Like stuff like that doesn't have to happen to get you there, but they can, he will always, he, yeah. And they can be reversed. Mm-hmm. They can always be reversed and made into a positive. Yeah, totally. He'll take what's broken and make it better. And it's the big things and the little things like mm-hmm. it's, you know, big mistakes and, and tiny minor mistakes that we make every day. Mm-hmm. And in my mind too, I really don't think that there is always a right and wrong choice. Sometimes I think we put so much pressure on choosing the right, so much. right and wrong, right and wrong. When in reality, there's just choices. We just make choices in life. And no matter what choices we make, as long as we put our faith in a loving God, then he can turn those choices into the most beautiful thing mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from Hank Smith, and he said, Grace is not the reward for worthiness. It is the source of worthiness. Oh, so good. I love that. Grace is not the reward for worthiness. It's the source of it. You don't get, like, grace by being perfect, you know? Yeah. You wouldn't need grace. You wouldn't need grace if you were perfect. Mm -hmm. Totally. So study grace. I think it's something we shy away sorry I'm like monologuing right now but love it I feel like grace is something that we shy away from in the LDS church a lot because so many other faiths talk about grace a ton and sometimes maybe I'm wrong but sometimes I feel like we have this need to be different than other faiths Mm -hmm. like yeah we're Christian but we're different Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but we believe in grace like it's all over the scriptures and I think that's there's something so beautiful within other face that talks so much about grace yeah and i think that's something we need to do more so study grace i'm trying to as well um do you have anything to say about that really quick no i love it that's all right go on to my next (laughs) my next favorite like symbolism symbolism of grace is the sacrament and i think so the sacrament is such a symbol of god constantly extending to us Mm -hmm. and he he gave us his son, you know, well, he didn't just give him to us. Christ wanted to, like he wanted to save us. And so for the sacrament, right, it's that symbolism, that reminder of his body and his blood. But then there's another symbol of that extension of forgiveness and grace. When the priesthood holders physically pass the sacrament, they extend their arm out to you. I'm like motioning as if y'all can see me, but (laughs) I can see you. (laughs) They like reach their arm out to give you the sacrament. It's not force fed to you. You you have to reach out and accept it yourself, Mm -hmm. but it's extended to you at the table and then in the little trays. Once again, it's right in front of you. All you have to do is barely reach out in front of you to Mm -hmm. grab it and, you know, take the sacrament. And God is constantly reaching out to us. Yeah. And I think that's one little one every week that we fail to recognize. He's constantly reaching out to us in every way that he can. And we're not being awarded forgiveness for being, you know, like good or whatever it is. It's we're being gifted forgiveness. Forgiveness is not prerequisited. Yeah, there's not. There's There's no no prerequisites. Yeah, is there a word for that? I mean, obviously there are like... Well, no, I don't think there is. I don't think that you have to meet a certain benchmark to be forgiven. God's already forgiven you. You just have to take the step. Yeah. Right? Towards him. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Like, I think it's just on the person. God doesn't have a certain criteria. There it is. Besides yeah. turning to him in faith. That's the one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Someone tell me if we're totally off, but 
in my like understanding study and experience that's the one yeah that's like the just god i believe in reaching out and partaking of it yeah and accepting this gift it's not like congratulations you've been a perfect member here's grace and forgiveness and happiness you're great. welcome great what do i do with this or not even you're welcome <laughs> I don't even congratulations need it. you yeah. earned this you earned it which we <laughs> cannot oh I we know. cannot earn grace we cannot merit ourselves no because we are imperfect all of that rests on christ and it is dare i say it is um blasphemous yeah for us to assume that we can take that on our shoulders and fix it ourselves yeah it's true we can't i know we're so funny we are so such silly little little (laughs) dudes and i think we have another episode coming up about grace or did we just talk about one i can't remember i we're gonna talk more about grace though it'll be a recurring thing yeah it'll be a recurring thing but you're a like you're gifted this yeah you're gifted this grace and this forgiveness and this love so accept it you know just accept the gift open it up enjoy it love it there's no way to earn it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and the thing the thing with our our relationship with god and and perfectionism and all of that is as we've talked about multiple times perfectionism completely prevents vulnerability you cannot be a perfectionist or be in a perfectionist mindset and be vulnerable at the same time. It's impossible. And it takes a lot of vulnerability to accept that there is a being who knows all of your flaws more intimately than you ever will and still chooses to love you. That is a yeah. very vulnerable thing to have to accept and come to terms with. That's so powerful. Yeah. And if you're being, if you are in a perfectionist mindset, you can't accept that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think not only can you not accept that, but you want to run away from that person yes. because they know everything about you. And instead of it being a positive, intimate thing, it's like this isolating like, oh, shame crap. thing. Yeah, yeah. They like know who I am. Yes, totally. They know I'm a fraud. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, so I big fan of, of Les, Les Mis. I never know how to say Les, Les Miserable, Les whatever. Miserable. I don't know how to, I don't know how to speak I've never French. seen it. <gasps> Alicia. I know. I know. Okay. Well, this is for I Alicia know. and all of you listening who haven't seen it. I'll give you a a 20 second rundown of what it is basically there's a guy steals some bread gets caught by the police they send him to prison for like 23 years oh, shoot. and he stole this loaf of bread to feed his dying sister yeah. and her kid right so like he had no choice gets caught goes to jail escapes jail becomes like makes something of himself oh. and then he's constantly running from this policeman so the guy who stole the bread is jean valjean and the police guy's name is javert and they're just at odds the okay. whole time, right? I'm not gonna like spoil it for you. Wow, that was actually a second emotional roller coaster. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> and it's gonna get worse. So if you haven't seen it, I'm I'm gonna spoil it for you now. But honestly, if you haven't if you That's haven't okay. seen it, I I if don't. If you haven't I, seen I, it, at I kind of blame point, you. I blame it's you a little fault. bit. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. You can spoil. <laughs> so so what happens is Javert tries to catch Jean Valjean over and over and over and over. Jean Valjean at the end of it finally has an opportunity where he could kill Javert. They're Ooh. in the middle of a big revolution. The people turn against the police. They capture Javert. He ha- he has the gun at him. Oh. And instead of shooting him, shoots at the ground and lets Javert go. Wow. And Javert has this, like, insane breakdown where he's like, I have chased this guy and made his life miserable my whole life trying to catch him for one loaf of bread. And I've done all these horrible things. And when he had the chance to do it to me, he let me go. Aww. It is such a bad breakdown. He commits suicide. <gasps> which is pretty horrible. Oh. 
I know it's I know I know it's bad so he jumps off a bridge he dies <laughs> what I, I really didn't know this yeah sorry everyone but um so he Aww. he dies right and then the rest of the it's it's a musical slash book but the rest of the musical Jean Valjean's like living his life he grows to be an old man dies right yeah and the first time I saw this musical was a high school production at Northridge high school in wow. Layton and they did something so beautiful with the ending because when you look at this from a symbolic perspective this whole musical story whatever is mercy being Jean Valjean versus justice being Javert right Mm -hmm. that's like the whole symbolism the whole time and um the person who let Jean Valjean go was this bishop Jean Valjean escapes from jail stays with this bishop tries to steal candlesticks from the bishop he gets caught in the middle of the night and the bishop says oh no i gave those to him and then gives him more stuff and he goes like go make something of yourself so like the bishop is the christ figure right because he's the one who paid the debt um and so at the end at the end jean valjean dies and in this high school production it was so beautiful he walks across what is supposedly like you know the 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 veil or like the into heaven and Jean Valjean's dressed in white and all the other people who have died in the musical up to that point are also dressed in white and he walks across what is from you know earth to heaven and the first person he runs into is Javert and they're both dressed in white and Jean Valjean just walks up and just hugs him and it was so I cried that's so cute so much look at those high school kids I know it was beautiful it was amazing and I just, I think that there's something really significant there when you put it in a perspective of a perfectionist God, because like you said, we keep putting all these things at odds with each other, justice, mercy, love, great, like all these mm-hmm. rules, Law, laws, love, yeah. all, mm-hmm. all of that when they can and they do coexist in a way that's for our benefit. For sure. That God that's has so set true. it up right for our benefit. And and in that um, in that musical, the bishop, of course, being the Christ-like figure, is the one who who paid the debt of Jean Valjean. And from then on, Jean Valjean was able to go and like make something of himself. But these, but this law and justice figure was always like at his throat about everything. Interesting. So, I and in the end, who who always wins? Right? Well, they both yeah, do. Yeah. Well, they both they win. both win. It's not they them putting being pit against each other. Exactly. But I guess in my mind, like mercy and love is the one that overpowers all you know yes. that conquers everything it's like, not the yes. justice and the debt was paid by the bishop and our debt was paid by christ because christ paid our debt and he's already gone through the 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 punishment of sin and the punishment of being imperfect and being mortal, mortal. Mm-hmm. we then can coexist between justice and mercy you know, right. he's the missing piece. And because he did that, we we can coexist in that space with both of those things. That's so true. And maybe just our mortal minds like don't like the struggle of justice and mercy and love and law. You know, yeah, I think we naturally like to label things as one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for us to probably reconcile them, you know, oh, and for to sure. make them one whole thing. For sure. Yeah. And I love the scripture that charity never faileth. Charity never fails Mm -hmm. ever never Mm -hmm. never and i think i'm pretty sure god like uses the winning strategy all the time (laughs) and one of my favorite scriptural examples of god's character of the character of christ is when he's being crucified you know on nailed Mm -hmm. on the cross Mm -hmm. and i i don't have the exact scripture but he says father forgive them for they know not what they do 
the very people that were, you know, taking his life and nailing him to this cross, the most pain ever, you know, Mm -hmm. he asked God to forgive them. He asked the father to forgive them because they didn't know, you know, and I think Christ just understood them perfectly and he saw them perfectly and he saw their hearts and he's like, they don't know what they're doing. You know, he had mercy and grace towards them. And that is our judge. That's our advocate. That's the one that's going to be right next to us when we stand before Heavenly Father. And Christ is going to be pleading on your behalf, Mm -hmm. despite what you did. You could have been the one nailing him to the cross. And he's cheering for you. He's rooting for you. He's hugging you. That person is your judge. Yeah. No one else. That's everyone's like everyone's everyone's advocate, everyone's friend, everyone's judge. That's him. He sees, he sees every action and behavior you've taken. He sees the need behind that action and behavior that you were trying to fill for yourself. So he's not looking at it from a behavior perspective. He's looking at it from what need did you have? Why were you trying to fill it the way you were? And at that point, you can't, once you see the need behind people's actions, I mean, you really can't blame them for the behavior after that. No. Even if the behavior hurt themselves or other people. I mean, I think you could hold them accountable, well, you hold them but accountable, you just see the full picture. But you understand. Yeah, you right? understand. You understand. You and, and then you're able to make a case for them with empathy mm-hmm. about maybe what they did wasn't right. Maybe what they did hurt themselves, other people, but this is why they did it. Mm-hmm. And that understanding is key to that. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So the other, the other part about perfectionism that we often project onto God is, is this belief, actually this, this truth behind perfectionism is that perfectionism is finalistic, right? You, you mess up, you are now for forever that flaw or that mistake, right? You do something wrong. That is now forever who you are. And that again, probably sounds like a little bit dramatic and maybe you're like, we don't actually think that drastically. We do. Like we really, I mean. And even if it's not like a thought you have all day, like sometimes in the, in the moment you really do think that. Really, and it sticks with you and, and, you know, and your brain is wired to then begin it's thinking like, that I way. I will never recover from this. Yes. You know? Yes. Totally. Or like, I can't ever fix this or make this better. Perfectionism is finalistic. God is not. Mm-hmm. Christ is not. Again, the plan of salvation would not work with the finalistic God. Like it just would not work. It wouldn't make sense. Um, if you guys remember Alma the Younger, right? He's the one who went around. He, his dad was a prophet, Alma the OG. And then Alma the Younger goes around like a little hooligan and messes everything up. And mm-hmm. I don't Does he kill people? Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, he yeah. kills people? Kills people, right? Murderer. And he like actively is trying to lead people yeah, away lead from Yeah, lead people from the Christ. church. Yeah, and uh, all that jazz. Um, and Elder Holland Jr., so Elder Matthew Holland, spoke in conference of October last year. Talks about the difference between exquisite joy and exquisite pain um and just that switch so if you remember alma the younger in the verses is feeling this exquisite exquisite amount of pain and that's when he's come to realize what he's done and should he's we read it super it. quick yeah let's do it okay i'll just go ahead and read it for you you can tell me when to stop and go um something something an angel was talking okay um so he fell to the earth and then we're going to start alma thirty six twelve. But I was racked with eternal torment, for my soul was harrowed up with the greatest degree and racked with all of my sins. Yea, I did remember all of my sins and iniquities, for which I was tormented with the pains of hell. Yea, I saw that I had rebelled against my God, and that I had not kept his holy commandments. Yea, I had murdered many of his children, or rather led them away into destruction. Yea, in fine, so great had... Wow. 
So great had my iniquities that the very thought of coming into the presence of my God did rack my soul with um, inexpressible horror. Woof. Woof. Anyway, so I'm going to skip a little bit. He was really struggling for three days. He was feeling this. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go to... Okay, 17. And it came to pass that I was thus racked with torment while I was hard up by the memory of my sins. Behold, I remembered also um, to have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ, a son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. Now, as my mind caught, as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me who am in the galls of bitterness, oh, gall of bitterness, and am encircled about by everlasting chains of death. Now behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pain no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. And oh, what joy and what marvelous light did I behold. Yea, my my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. Love it. So as you can see in those verses, I think it's worth reading. Sorry. Quite. No, love, loved that. Love that. There's quite the switch, right? He says literally in the last verse, his, his joy matched the amount of pain he was in. And I, uh, I worked at a treatment center for six months, a couple years ago and trigger warning just for anyone listening. Um, I'm going to mention self-harm just so you know. Um, these girls that I worked with, so I worked with, I worked with a bunch of teenage girls who were there for like substance abuse, um, you know, they'd had a history of self-harming that had a history of like attempting suicide, things like that, all, kind of all across the board. And this one girl, we could not get her to stop self-harming. And we, we mm-hmm. tried a lot of different things. And I finally had a conversation with her where I kind of got her to like, you know, break down a little bit, not break down, but like get into break like her walls, mind a little bit, yeah. break down the walls. And she explained to me that the reason that she kept self-harming is because there were things about herself that she didn't like. So flaws that she'd identified and she somewhere in her brain figured that the more she hurt herself, the more she was compensating or making up for those parts of herself. She didn't like. Oh wow. And so that she was, she was somehow making up for those flaws by putting herself through pain. And that's exactly what Alma was doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and obviously Obviously, when we mess up and we sin, we should feel bad. We should feel guilt. But I think that sometimes we kind of do what Alma does. We get finalistic with it, right? Mm -hmm. We start labeling labeling ourselves as nothing. And we put ourselves through these great amounts of emotional, mental, sometimes physical pain. Because we think the more pain we put ourselves through, the more we're going to merit or make up for our flaws or our sins. But we can't do that ourselves. We are mortals. We are not saviors. We didn't go through the consequences and the punishments of that. And we think it's like unforgivable sometimes. It's like, how can I? And, you know, in these scriptures, in verse 13, it's he he was remembering his sins. That's why he was feeling the way he was, because Mm -hmm. he was just thinking about all of these things. Yeah. God, God wasn't like inflicting this pain on him. He was by. Yes. By remembering and thinking about all these things and thinking oh my goodness, I'm going to have to stand before my maker and yeah. I actually want to die thinking about that. And how that. hopeless and terrible and the horror is what mm-hmm. they described, which I think we've all felt that before, that horror mm-hmm. of, of ourselves, right? But if you notice the moment that switched, the moment that flipped from exquisite pain to exquisite joy is when he remembered Christ. And just like Alicia was talking about the sacrament, Christ is always there offering. 
you just have to do you just have to turn that's right? it you just have to face him as soon as he faced him mentally it all melted away because christ did it christ, we don't have to beat ourselves up for this christ got beat up for us already mm-hmm. he already took you know i i always this is kind of a couth like analogy but if you remember like olden days when they'd have whipping boys mm-hmm. for the royalty where the royal kids would mess up and so then they'd get a whipping boy and the whipping boy would take the the whippings yeah. for the whatever for the royal little brat kids like we're the royal little brat kids right and like god is has been our our whipping boy like he's already taken it so it's not productive or useful for us to beat ourselves up Mm -mm. because christ has already done that for us totally and and i just love these verses so much because he just remembered his his father talking about christ the son of god Mm -hmm. who would come and save the world from sin and sadness and mortality and the second he turned to god in prayer and asked for mercy took one second and he Mm -hmm. was like joyful you know Mm -hmm. feeling that joy and so i think sometimes it's not as easy as like a light switch but turning to christ and maybe just understanding him more like we've talked about studying him and also being someone who testifies of christ Mm -hmm. so when someone else is in that moment they're like wait i remembered I remembered Anna talking about a savior who would come and I need that. I need that right now. Like being someone who spreads that message to save so we can all help spread the news to each other that there's a savior for us, you know? Yeah. There was a really cool quote I heard growing up. I have no idea who said it or where it came from and whatever, but it was basically like, you know, they talk about the war in heaven, right? How before we came here, there was a war and stuff and how it was a war of words and, maybe it was for my dad or something. I don't know. But the, the quote essentially says in heaven, we went around trying to convince people that Christ would do what he said he would do. And now that we're on earth, our job is to, to convince people or let them know that he did do what he said he was going to do. Yeah. So it's on the flip side. So yeah, just like reminding people like, Hey, Christ did that for you. It's done. Mm-hmm. Like you got like, don't hold on to your flaws. Don't hold on to your mistakes or what your, the negative things your brain is saying to you. Hold on to Christ and his atonement, what he did for you. Totally, totally. We're going to wrap it up with just a couple more thoughts. One of them is my favorite talk in the whole earth. Woof. Um, well, okay, I shouldn't say that. Love in my it. No, I love it. Time alive. In my um, time alive. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Sermon on the Mount. Um, <laughs> no, but Elder Holland, um, Jeffrey R. Holland gave a talk, and I think it's April 2012, called Labors in the Vineyard. Mm. And he talks about the whole parable of you know, this um, guy, I just went brain dead, who like ha- owns the vineyard. What do we want to call him? L- vineyard owner. <laughs> the vineyard owner has a vineyard. Okay. <laughs> are you following me? <laughs> anyway, and people are like looking for work and he hires people beginning of the day, let's say. And he's like, I'll give you $30 if you work the whole day. Great. He hires someone two hours later. I'll pay you $30 if you work the whole day. Whatever. Hires people at all of these different hours and they've all agreed to the same pay. They didn't know this, but they did. And then he hires someone at the very last hour of the day and offers them the same pay, the same. Dude, if I was the 8 a.m. dude, I'd be ticked. You're like, um, excuse me, what? I'd be upset. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that just shows, you know, the mercy, grace, whatever of this vineyard owner, as we've called him. <laughs> but this is a quote from the talk. Elder Holland says, 
This parable, like all parables, is not really about laborers or wages any more than the others are about sheep and goats. This is a story about God's goodness, his patience and forgiveness, and the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a story about generosity and compassion. It is a story about grace. It underscores the thought I heard many years ago that surely the thing God enjoys the most about being God is the thrill of being merciful, especially to those who don't expect it and often feel they don't deserve it. I love that last line. Me too. I love that. And he goes on to say that no matter what you've done, if you feel it's the very last hour of the day, the very last minute of the day, that it has to be like too late for you, it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's what God enjoys the most about you know, being this miraculous being that he is, is the thrill of being merciful and full of grace and love and to those who don't expect it or feel that they deserve that. Which if you're a perfectionist, that's you. Sorry. I also just realized I keep saying, you know, at the end of every statement, because I'm so pumped. I'm like, you know, I just look for that. And anyway, I love it. No, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. But (laughs) if you're a perfectionist, you don't, you, you don't feel like you deserve it. So they're calling us all out right there in that Mm -hmm. last line. But you do. But you do. You do. And you don't get a say in that. You just You know what? You actually don't deserve it, but it's there. Okay, true. Actually, yeah, you don't. (laughs) Because none of us deserve it because we're all little brat kids. (laughs) But, and that's not, you know, to like make light of our struggles or say you don't deserve like these gifts, but really we just are so undeserving. And I think that's what's beautiful about God's grace. Yes, I agree. Um, just final final thoughts here for this episode. So if you'll remember in the Bible, specifically Luke, it talks about how Jesus goes after the one sheep, right? So Luke 15, uh, 4 through 5 says, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And it talks about how he comes back to his friends and his neighbors. And he's saying, you know, be excited with me. I found my sheep. And, um, and it's a very joyful, rejoicing thing. And I just, I think that sometimes, we, Alicia and I were obviously just talking about this before we were recording. Sheep are dumb, dude. Yeah. Sheeps are a little stupid. <laughs> I know. Like, they're cute, but they're eek. cute, but they're kind of dumb. Like, and they kind of just like bebop around, and they're just like wandering, and like without a shepherd, literally, they just they just go don't even know what to do. They die. <laughs> like they just go wander off and they die. Um, and I think that often we, when we as little sheeps, have realized that we've gone astray from the flock, or that we've made some decisions we shouldn't have made, that when Christ comes to find us, we almost don't let him. Like I, I've, I've done this where I, you know, you're so ashamed of the decisions you've made and where you've gotten yourself that you kind of like isolate and keep yourself away from Christ. Um, and then Alicia to add to that, she, I, do you want to talk about that painting? Yeah. So my favorite church artist is his name's Young Sung Kim and he's from South Korea. Um, and he has a painting of Christ depicting Christ finding that one right out of the 100 Mm -hmm. And it looks like Christ just went through a storm. He has frost on his eyelashes, frost on his eyebrows, on his facial hair, on his coat, covering him. But Mm -hmm. he's holding the sheep with the biggest smile on his face, hugging it so tight. And he went through an actual storm to get there. Mm -hmm. And he was so happy to find it. He wasn't 
upset. He wasn't mad. He wasn't annoyed. He was just filled with pure joy to have found this sheep. Yeah. And if I was him, like, I literally would be like, you stupid little sheep. Like, you just made me me walk all these miles in the snow because you're (laughs) dumb. Like, (laughs) get over here. But no, he like in the in the painting, it's very sweet. He's like hugging it. Like, he's got his face right up next to it. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And like, he is happy to make that journey for us because he loves us. And because he has felt and gone through every single thing you have felt and gone through. Every single thing. Thing. He is Christ is the ultimate manifestation of empathy mm-hmm. because he has actually felt it. He doesn't just relate to it. He's felt it. He's been there. And so when we are these little lost sheep and Christ comes to find us and we've realized that we've gone astray, don't spend extra time beating yourself up or isolating or shaming yourself. Just turn to Christ and let him hug. Yeah. And that yeah. goes for heavenly father too, right? Heavenly father's just as loving and just as perfect. And we shouldn't keep ourselves as the one the one sheep Mm -hmm. right come back like come back in the fold let christ carry you back in like he loves you and he's gonna throw a rager when he finds you a rager dude yeah for real for real so we've got some takeaways for you takeaways (laughs) guys it's been too long it's been way too long wow that was cathartic that was that was good good. this has been a long episode but it's important yeah number one Get to know God by studying his character from the source rather than the culture. Study Revelation, study scripture, study general conference, you know, but most importantly, seek him out, you know, in prayer. Number two, God isn't an all or nothing God. Three, God is merciful and he's our judge. God is good. He is a perfect judge, perfect father, friend, guide, support, strength, all of the above. Mm-hmm. lastly if you wonder what he thinks of you ask him we promise he'll answer with insurmountable love and arms just around you take yeah. time to pray take time to ask him get to know him instead of just um well i guess i'm rambling now but just get to know him yeah god loves you he's not a perfectionist yeah and it takes time i guess dedicate mm-hmm. time to him every yeah. day yeah whatever that looks like no i love that yeah thanks for listening okay guys episode four we're back and we're so excited we're so excited okay it's just gonna get better from here it really is so so tune in to our next episode uh next week yep and uh my name's anna my name's alicia and And this this is popping Popping perfectionism